First Peter. First Peter this morning. It's a little book near the end. Before we get into that, I got to do a selfie, which is lame, but I'm, that's just what I got to do. Um, this building was given to us um, by a church in um, Brighton, Michigan, and they 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 have they've. They're a great people, Cornerstone Evangelical Presbyterian Church. And they heard we went to two gatherings. They want a picture of both gatherings. So I did this at the first service. I'm going to do a second service so they can know that we have two services. So, so everybody, you're going to be in a selfie. So go ahead and wave, everybody. Hey! All right, got it. Okay, done. Okay, I'm sorry about that. So we're in the book of First Peter, chapter 1. I'm going to read verses 3 through 9. Here we go. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and unfading, having been kept in heaven for you, who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. So this letter by Peter, the theme, the point of the letter is he's saying that um, we are exiles. This world is not our home. And the point of the letter is saying how do we, as citizens of a foreign land, how do we live in this place with these different rules and, and, and morals and beliefs. How do we live here when I'm actually a citizen of another place? So this book is a how-to book. How do I live as a citizen of this land where I truly belong to another place? And Peter's going to begin with a very important question. Not everyone is in exile. Not everyone's home is that far-off land. Some people, this is their home. Some people, straight up, would say, they wouldn't mind gaining the whole world and losing their soul. They wouldn't mind it at all. So, some people, this world is their home. How does heaven become your home? That's the question. So, Peter's going to give us an answer. Here we go. Verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he starts off with a word of praise. He's saying, man, he's saying, bless God. He's saying, praise God. God is awesome. And if you belong to Jesus, this will be part of what you talk about. Okay? Praise God. Um, this morning, uh, Mr. Roy came in at our early service. And Mr. Roy has not been here for like three weeks. Mr. Roy has had some um, leg problems, so he's not been able to come in. So he came in today. He's on a cane, walking slow. I go to give him a hug. You know what he says to me? First thing, he goes, God is good, brother. God is good, brother. If you belong to Jesus, those words will eventually come out of your mouth. 
If you belong to Jesus, if you are, if God, if you belong to the family of God, eventually some party will be grateful to God for his kindness towards you. So Peter starts, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And you notice he's blessing God and he's blessing Jesus. He's like, man, God the Father is awesome and Jesus Christ my Lord is awesome. And you see in this little statement that Peter way early, early on in the Christian church, as a good Hebrew man, he understood that we worship one God. We know that there's one God. We are monotheists, not polytheists, okay? We believe in one God, but Peter already knows, man, man, I know there's one God, but the Father is truly, fully God, and the Son is truly, fully God, and the Spirit is truly, fully God. And we see already this early on an understanding of this thing we call the Trinity. So it's right here this early on that says this. He says, okay, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy, according to his great mercy, what is mercy? Mercy, mercy is when I give someone kindness when they deserve my wrath. This last week in my life, um, I hate this to my shame, but it's true. My favorite movie in the whole world, in the whole world, is a movie called The Godfather. Now, The Godfather is not a Christian movie. The Godfather teaches if someone gets you, you get them back twice as bad, right? That's, that's The Godfather. Like today, all the family business is taken care of. That's The Godfather. And that got into my heart real early, okay? Well, this week, ooh, this, uh, this week I had a moment where... Um, Someone who I had godfathered, someone who I had held odd against, someone who had hurt me and my family, came back into my life. And I wanted to respond in kind. I wanted to, you hurt my family, I'm going to hurt you. That, that's what I wanted to do. But mercy is choosing, instead of reacting with, you know, fire for fire, hate for hate, mercy saying, I choose instead of hate to give kindness. And here's the reality about God. God the Father, humanity, the children of, of, of the earth, we have reacted to God with rebellion. Every one of us. Um, in our hearts, there is something that desires to push God away, to say, God, leave me alone, mind your business, let me do my own thing. We're rebels. And God, in seeing our rebellion, chooses not to crush us where we stand. The God of heaven and earth chooses instead not to treat us rebels with the sword, but with mercy. With mercy. So blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us, has caused us. Um, this is an active verb. God is the initiator. As the old enlightenment philosophers would say, he is the unmoved mover of the uncaused cause. He's the initiator. Imagine if I were to call you up on, on this afternoon, it's Sunday afternoon, you go home, you're chilling, your phone rings, and it's Pastor Nestor calling you up. And I'm like, hey, what are you doing? Nothing. Let's go see Creed 3, dude. It's, it's playing in an hour. I'll meet you there. Popcorn on me. You'll be like, sweet. We go see Creed 3. 
get some popcorn, have some gummy bears, get a, a big old large slushy. What more do you need in life? Nothing. Now, in that story, I'm the initiator. I called you. I looked at the movie times. I'm the one making the event happen. You understand? I'm the initiator. It says here that God Almighty is the initiator. He is the one that comes to get. He makes the first move. We have not sought the Lord. The Lord has sought us. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again. And this is the theme of today's message. Born again. This is how you become a citizen of that far-off country. Because our first birth, there's a moment in Christ's life where Christ tells someone you must be born again. The person goes, born again? How can I be born again? Do I crawl back up my mother's womb and get born a second time? How am I born again? And Christ says, listen, you must be born of water and of spirit. The first time we're born, we're born of our mothers, okay? And here's the fact of how things work. Um... I don't want to go birds and bees style on you, but like, uh, so, like, two people, baby, okay? That's what happens. Um, and we, and, and babies are a, like, our genetic mixture of those two parents. So, for example, I'm a Latino male. My wife's a white woman. My wife is, like, Northern Europe white, so they're really white people, okay? Not the Italian white, the Swedish white. So, we get married, and our kids... Genetically, are a mixture of those two worlds. They have, they're born with full heads of hair. That's the Latin American gene. Latin American, Mexican babies have good hair. Right, Miss Sylvia? Right, Dave? We're born, we're born, and we're just like, whoosh, that's how we're born. It's awesome. White babies off there are like bald to their four. Uh, <laughs> um, so they're born with full heads of hair. But because their mom is their mom, they have very fair skin. They don't burn in the summer, so they're the best of both worlds. But um, these kids, my, the kid between me and Angie, they're born of us, and they're born, they're an Alanese. They're born, and they're Alanese in the world. That's our first birth. That's how we're born into the world around us. But Christ is going to be born according to the Spirit. We're born into our natural families. We can be born into God's family. Born again, a new birth. And God himself is the one who makes that possible. He says, listen, you can be born again to a living hope. And the question is, how? How do I become a member of God's family? Because I want to be a part of that family. I want to somehow be a part of God's crew. How do I get there? And he tells us how it's made possible. He says, according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Our new birth is made possible by Jesus. New birth is made possible by Jesus. Okay, I'm going to say something right now. Um, I am a pastor, so I work in church world. I got saved when I was like 15, and I'm 42 now. So do the math. 14, let's say 14 to, how many years is that? 
28, 28 years I've been following Jesus. 28 years. For 28 years I've been going to church most every Sunday of my life. I'm going to tell you something right now. I've taken some hits in life. I was arrested in India, accused falsely of a crime by Hindu extremists who wanted to stop the work of the gospel. So I have faced persecution from anti-Christian forces. I'll tell you this, though. That did not hurt as bad as being hurt by God's people in the church. The church can hurt people, right? God's people can hurt people. People in authority, pastors, can use their authority not to serve but to crush. That can happen. And there's a lot of hurt in America. There's a lot of, if you go on Twitter or social media, you'll see a lot of people and they speak from that hurt. There's anger at God's church because of what they've gone through. One of the reactions because of this hurt is some people have become what we call red-letter Christians. All they, say, they say, all I care about is the words of Jesus. The rest of it's gone to me. I don't, care what the, I don't care about Paul or Peter or the letters of John. The words of Jesus in the... Some Bibles have red letters. You know how they do that, some Bibles. They say, I care about Christ's teaching and nothing else. Now, it sounds noble, it sounds beautiful, but there's one problem with that stance of saying, I'm a red-letter Christian only. All I care about is Christ's teachings on loving one another. The problem with that is, that's not where the Bible looks. The movie is not about what he says. Matthew and John are apostles, okay? And they read about Jesus' life. Uh, Luke's historian and John Mark is a dude. That's all I got for him. But these four guys write gospels, okay? And their gospels have some teaching, have some miracles. But half of every gospel, half of every book focuses on one event. They all literally square up and say, the reason I'm writing this, I'm writing about the death or the wretched of Jesus. That's where they all land. That's, that's the focus of their that's the focus of their lens. The movie's about that. It's about the death of Christ and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is the point for Peter, for Paul, for John, for Matthew. If I say all I care about is the teaching of Christ, I'm missing what everyone's talking about. Because they're saying what makes his teaching different is the fact that he was a sinless sacrifice who died that we may live. His teaching without his death has no power to transform us. It doesn't. The death of Jesus Christ is the very thing that makes new birth possible. If Listen, there are plenty of great teachers. There are plenty of smart teachers in the world. There are good books all over the place. What sets Christ apart is his sinless death and his miraculous resurrection. And the resurrection, there were, some, there were some people in early, like some early critiques of Christianity. People will say, well, maybe he wasn't dead. Maybe his heart stopped real bad and they thought he was dead. But he, he just was, you know, they put him in a cave and he woke up like, oh man, what happened on Friday, you know? And he was, he, it wasn't he was dead, he just kind of was sleeping and woke up. That 
view, trying to explain away the resurrection is a really problematic view. Um, anyone here buy any boxers in the house? Any boxers? Anyone box professionally or high school? Nope, no fighters. Okay. okay. You box, Miss Sylvia? Oh. <laughs> I was like, dang, Miss Sylvia, you bad. Uh, <laughs> well, listen. Uh, your brother did think. I used to be a wrestler, not a boxer, a wrestler. When I was in college, we had a, a big brawl once in college, and it was like an outsider's brawl in the sinking like, gallery of the, the, it was, I don't know how we didn't get arrested for this fight. It was like maybe like 14 of us, and like 22 of them. It was rowdy. I mean, it was a brawl. Okay, so. That fight, I fought my heart out in that fight. I was out there, just, just the Incredible Hulk doing what the Hulk does. <laughs> I tell you, I was actually dating Angie at the time, and I called her after the fight was over, and when the adrenaline fades, when the adrenaline fades and the fight is over, guess what happens? You feel, you feel the pain. All those hits you took, you were like, I feel no pain, like, you know, you feel like, dude, I had a cracked rib. All my muscles were sore. I was like, oh, oh mom. You know, I was smoked. Now, if, if anyone has to say that Jesus was crucified on Friday, his skin pierced by nails, a spear in the side, thrown in a cave, and wake up, wake up like, that was crazy, man. What day is it? I'm hungry. He would have been a ghost of a human being. He's not going to be walking, talking, teaching, being the man. The resurrection of Christ is a miracle. He was dead. Dead as dead. Final finality. The apostles see he's dead. They go back to their job fishing. And on Easter morning, whew, he's alive. And on this historical fact, our faith rests. The, our new birth is made possible by Jesus. So that's verse 3. Let's keep going. <laughs> verse 4. We're born again. To obtain an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, and unfading, having been kept in heaven for you. He said, if you, if you become part, if you get a new birth, become part of God's family, God's like, I'm going to give, I have an inheritance for you. Now, inheritance is a funny thing. Um, I've very little um, experience with inheritances. My family's been more like lower class. And in, in the lower class of civilization, we don't leave our families money. <laughs> we leave our families pets and bills, right? Like, it's like, I'm dead, here's my cat, here's some credit card bills, peace, I'm out. But apparently in the middle class, upper middle class, when you pass away, you leave your family stuff, right? An inheritance. And God says, I have an, if you're a part of my family, I have an inheritance for you. And our inheritance in the family of God is different than the inheritance for the nation of Israel. The nation of Israel, their inheritance was the promised land. Canaan. Think about Canaan as a promised land. He says our inheritance is better than that Canaan promised land. It's better than the promised land. Why? Because the promised land could have famine. It could have drought. It could be defiled. It could be corrupted. It can fade. 
but our inheritance is incorruptible, undefiled, unfading, having been kept in heaven for you. Which means the good thing God has for us, our inheritance is not here, it's there. Now some preachers like to say that if you love Jesus in this life, you'll get all the good stuff here and now. If you love Jesus now, health and wealth is yours to be had. That's not a promise we find from Jesus or his apostles. I want to say this. Second thing I want to say is, so first thing I said is, our new birth is made possible by Jesus. Second thing I want to say is this, our new birth is already and not yet. It's already and not yet. He says the inheritance is in heaven. And then he says, it's in heaven for you who are protected by the power of God. So the same power keeping our inheritance safe is keeping us safe. Who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. So, salvation. Peter is saying our salvation is very, very beautiful. And so what, that's what I mean by this, okay? So, I'll break it down for us by past, present, and future. So, when I was 14, 15 years old, I called on the name of Jesus. In faith, I cried upon his name. And in that moment, the Bible says I was saved. And in that moment, I was saved from the penalty of sin. Hell had no hold over me anymore. Heaven is my home. That is, I, I was saved, past tense. But the Bible goes on and says that I am being saved. So I was saved from the penalty of sin, but over a life walking with Jesus, over time, slowly, I'm being saved from the power of sin. As I draw closer to Jesus and I learn to hear his voice and learn to follow and obey him, what happens, what happens is that power of sin over time, it's hold over me. It lessens. I'm not saying it's gone. It's a lifelong battle. But the power of sin, it just, it backs off. We are changed in this life. And one day in the future, when either Christ returns or we go home to meet him, we will be finally and fully saved. We will be removed from the presence of sin. That thing inside of me, listen, in every one of us, there is this thing called sin. And sin is not just what we do. Sin is something that we are. There's something in all of us that wants to destroy others and destroy ourselves. It's the weirdest thing. Like, sin doesn't always make sense. So we often do self-destructive, insane things. It flows out of us. We blow our own lives up. Where does that come from? The Bible calls that sin. It's in me. And listen, for 28 years of following Christ, I've been in this battle between flesh and spirit. And listen, sometimes I still am in the battle. I'm still fighting the fight. I still... I still hurt people that I love. I still am so self-preoccupied, I don't see others. 
But someday that awful cancer will be cut out of my soul and I will be the person God meant me to be. Fully and finally saved. Our new birth is already and not yet. It's already started. We, are, we have received some of the goodness of God. But I said it last week that no matter how much love you have in your life, no matter how many good friends, no matter how much family, no matter how good of a church you belong to, no matter how much love is poured into you by people, there will be moments you will feel a longing for home. You will feel the ache. I was made for somewhere else, and that ache does not go away until we're with our Lord Jesus. Our new birth is already and not yet. And let me go on. Verse 6. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now, for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. He's like, listen, right now, how does it feel? You're telling me that someday I'll be finally and fully saved, but what about the right now? This little while that I had that's my life. And here's the hard thing. Right now, we can be grieved by various trials. It is possible in this life to take real hits. In our church, among our community, we have prayed against cancer and watched it take people we love. In this church, Sometimes healing don't come. We bury our loved ones. Sometimes relationships are not reconciled. We want, we beg God, please make me and this person be able to make it right. And the, the bad blood does not go away. It happens. Sometimes in this life there are real trials. Sometimes life feels really hard. So what do we do? How do we experience this is new birth just for heaven or is it for now? Is being a part of God's family, does that, does that have any effect on the here and the now? And the answer is yes, it does. He says this, yeah, for a little while, you might be grieved by various trials. This is what the grievous trials do. It's the proof of your faith. Being more precious than gold that is perishable. It's tested by fire and may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. How do we experience our new birth? What is the active ingredient of the new birth? Um, if you ever go to like the Walmart and you go to buy like Tylenol, there'll be like a Tylenol jar on the Walmart thing. It's like five fifty, whatever. And then next to the, the Tylenol, there is the Sam's Choice, right? The generic Tylenol, right? And it'll be like three fifty, like two dollars less, right? And on the, the little label, it'll say, "We have the same active ingredient." as the Tylenol guy. So you think, okay, well they have the same thing, so it must work the same. Active ingredient is the thing that makes it work. What makes our new birth run in the here and the now? And according to Peter, our new birth is experienced in the here and now through faith. Through faith. The, the suffering of this life, it purifies our faith. Our faith is our trust in Jesus. 
I trust him. I trust him that I, that he, I trust his plan. I trust his strength. And I trust that I am in his arms. I trust him. In the middle of the storm, trust him. In the sickness, trust him. With my loved ones, trust him. And he says this, he's going to define faith for us. Verse 8, and though you have not seen him, you love him. I haven't seen him. We walk by faith and not by sight. John saw him. Peter saw him. That was a long time ago. We walk by faith. We have not seen him, but we love him. And though, you're not, and though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. I had a young lady today tell me after church, after the first service, telling me about some things in her life, asking for prayer. And there's some real things going on in her life, some real hard things in her life. Like real pain, real struggle, real hurt. And I asked her, she's asking me to pray for this person, pray for this one, pray for this person. And I asked her, how are you? People you love are all falling down around you. How are you holding up? And she goes, you know, she goes, oddly to say, I have that joy inexpressible. I trust the Lord, even in the midst of all this falling around, all, even though everything's falling down around me, I trust he's got me, and I'm able to walk around in my life, and there's still the joy. I was like, praise the Lord. Faith is the active ingredient. It's how we experience God's power and God's peace in the here and the now is we trust him receiving as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls here's the reality of things many believers in Jesus we think to ourselves what can I do for God how can I be useful to Jesus and we compare ourselves to others I wish I could be used by God like so-and-so. I wish I had the faith of, I wish I had the talent of so-and-so. And we compare and think to ourselves, well, I must be less lovely to God because I'm not like these other people. We must remember the thing that makes us beautiful to God is not our faith. What makes us beautiful to God is the death Resurrection of Christ. Christ died, and that is the coat we wear. We are clothed in Christ. I, what's, what's freeing about that is, I don't have to earn his love. I don't have to jump through hoops and hope, well, if I do this, will he like me? If I do this, will he like me? I don't live my life afraid of, did I do enough for the Lord today for him to like me? Instead, I can receive this free gift by grace. The Bible says, by grace you are saved through faith. The grace is what accomplishes it. The faith is how we access it. It's like, imagine, imagine I, I'm in a mood and I tear my kitchen out of my house again. I did that once five years ago. It was awesome. I told my wife, I'm, I'm going to replace this one, this one uh, cupboard. And I tore the entire kitchen, all the flooring, the walls, tore it all out. And I'm like, I got it, babe. It was, it was so imagine I do this again. Imagine I tear my whole kitchen out. And you come over and help me rebuild it. You come over, and we're thinking, we're laying new floor, and we're drywalling, we're going to war. And over, over the course of six weeks, we build a new kitchen. And I'm like, bro, sis, you hooked me up. 
I'm giving you three G's as a thank you for what you did for me. And you're like, oh, three G's. That's $3,000 in case you don't know. I'm just saying, I'm just saying. So I'm like, I put it in a cash app for you. You're like, I don't got no smartphone. I don't got no cash app. And I'm like, well, hey, what? I'll give you this cash app credit card. And you can go to the store and give it to the clerk and pay for stuff with it. So you have this three G's in the cloud in a bank somewhere. And to access that, that goodness, that riches, you got to use this card. And sure enough, it works. You go there, you put in the thing, and it pays for your gas. You put in the thing, pull it out, you get groceries. It's crazy. That is what our faith is. Faith is how we access the grace given by the Lord. My faith is not in my faith. My faith, our faith should be in the historical reality of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That happened. So even if I'm discouraged, sad, depressed, my emotions don't affect the reality of Christ's death. That event is true beyond my feelings and allows me to stand and never be shaken. Because I may doubt my heart, but I don't doubt his work. So he did what he did, and we access that power by trusting in him. We let him love us. I, he says, I love you, and guess what I do? I believe him. I believe him. I choose to trust that, man, he did it all for me upon the cross, and I am going to enter in and follow the Lord who did everything that I may live in this life by faith. Our new birth is experienced in the here and now by faith, not by works. You cannot earn it. You cannot be good enough. Nobody can. But thanks be to God, we don't have to because Christ did it for us. Now, we're going to end our time together. What I want to do is very simple. I'm going to ask John to play some on the, on the little on the speakers as we end. I want to give a moment to give us a chance to respond to the word we've heard this, this morning. There are some of you here, and maybe your faith has grown cold. It's been hard for you to trust the Lord lately. You need to come and say, Lord, I... Maybe, you need, maybe like Peter, you need to come to, up here and say, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Maybe you're here... And you do believe, and you're like, Lord, I believe, and I remember, and I love you. You want to come and just praise his name? You can come and praise his name. Maybe you're here, and you've never put your trust in Jesus. You never looked at Christ and said, Christ, I didn't know you were this good. I didn't know you could save sinners. Will you save me? Maybe that's you. You can come up here and call upon the name of the Lord. The Bible says if you confess with your heart and if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you will be saved. Faith is that simple and that sweet. So we're going to play some music. And if you want to come in this moment of quiet and come to the altar and pray, you can come to the altar. You can pray. So I'm going to lead us in a quick prayer. If you wish to come, you may come. Father in heaven, thank you so much for this morning for your word that is true. We can be born again to a living hope of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Thanks be to God.
as some of your children come forward to pray this morning, hear our prayer. Whether our faith is cold, whether our faith is strong, whether our faith is absent, Lord, meet us where we are in this moment. We come to you because we need you. Bless all those who come this morning. In Jesus' name, we ask all these things. Music is going to